our statement of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. God, you get the glory today. You get the glory. This morning's scripture is going to come from Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew, the ninth chapter, and I'm going to start reading at verse 9 going through 13. I will be reading from the NIV, New International Version, this morning. And it reads, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You may be seated. The topic for this morning, the doctor is in. As we grow older, we realize that our bodies start to change. Things that we used to be able to do, we can no longer do to the extent that we used to do them. And that's still if we can do them at all. Our minds sometimes may bring us to the despair. Our minds sometimes may not bring us to the decisions that we need to make with the same speed and accuracy that it used to. Our memory will start to fail us, and it may sometimes make you start to question yourself and the ability to make sound decisions. Your ability to speak with clarity and etiquette that you used to have may start to deteriorate. Your hearing may start to go bad. Your vision may not be as clear as it used to be. And when these things happen, fear not. For it's all a part of getting old. At least that's what everybody's telling me. And although your body may go through these changes, don't give up. Be a good steward of the life that you have left. Continue to serve God. My objective this morning is to let you know that there is a position 
that is well capable of healing every sickness known to man, whether it be of the mind, physically, or spiritually. And I want to encourage you to get to know this physician intimately, for there will come a day when you will need to call on him. And I want you to know that he'll always be there. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. I had an appointment at the hospital in Pensacola a little while ago. And as I walked through, I saw many people. I saw rich and poor. I saw young and old. I saw the short and the tall. I saw an older person who could barely walk who was pushing a younger person in a wheelchair. I saw people who were being rolled through the hallways on beds. People who had to have oxygen tanks to help them breathe. I saw people who were using the wall as support as they were trying to make their way to the location of their appointment. I can go on and on by telling you all that I saw, but I'm just going to cut it off by saying I saw sick people. I saw people in need of healing. I saw people who were there with the hope that they could be restored to their previous health condition. I saw sick people who were looking for the help of a physician. The hospital is a place where people go for the diagnosis and treatment of sickness, illnesses, and ailments. In biblical times, they were referred to as infirmities and afflictions. A hospital consists of many departments where there are physicians who cater to the specific needs of particular patients. People return there for checkups from time to time, and in some facilities, childcare takes birth. There are emergency services performed there when necessary, and sometimes a hospital may even be used as a shelter in the time of storm. Some hospitals are private, and only those who have a certain type of insurance will be admitted for treatment. And the color of that insurance happens to be green. There are employees there who work around the clock to ensure that all of the necessary equipment needed to care for the patient is functioning properly and ready for immediate use. The nursing staff is standing by their station waiting on the instructions of the physician in charge. The hospital is a place where people gather or go when they want to get well. We're sitting here in this building this morning. We call this building a church, although the church is really in our hearts. The church is sort of like a hospital, but it might be a little bit better. It's a gathering place for those of us who are sick or have been sick, either physically or spiritually. If you're in this hospital for the first time, and if you're in need of seeing the doctor, I want you to know that you don't have to wait in line to make an appointment. You don't have to leave a message with the answering service. You don't have to check in with the receptionist. All you have to do is call him. You can call him directly. He's always on the main line, and all you have to do is call him up and tell him what you want.
someone under the sound of my voice may have come here this morning because they realize that they need to know Dr. G as their personal Lord and Savior, and they have a desire to be born again. If you're sitting here this morning, either you are sick or you, and you are in need of the doctor or you have seen the doctor before and you're just here for your weekly checkup. And I'm here this morning to let you know the doctor is in and he's accepting new patients. When I was preparing this message, I saw in comparison the physical healings that Dr. Jesus did and compared them to the spiritual healings. He healed the blind physically. And you can read about that in Matthew chapter 9. Spiritually, he gives sight, not of the eye, but of the mind. Satan has blinded people to the truth. Jesus is the light who shows us the way, and you can read about that in John, the eighth chapter. Physically, he healed the deaf and the mute. Mark, the seventh chapter. Jesus made it so that all can hear and understand the truth. Even the common people heard him gladly. Mark, the twelfth chapter. And we can understand him for ourselves. Ephesians the third chapter. Jesus made it so that we could speak the words of God. He inspired apostles, John 16. He inspired the words, 2 Timothy. And he enables us to speak as the oracles of God, 1 Peter. He healed the lame physically, John the fifth chapter. And Jesus provides the way in which to walk so that we will not stumble. John the 11th chapter. And if we follow his way, we will never stumble. Second Peter. Jesus physically cleansed a leper. Mark the first chapter. Jesus cleanses us from sin. Ephesians the first chapter. And he brings us back into fellowship together with God in Ephesians, the second chapter. He freed the demon possessed in Luke, the fourth chapter. And he frees us from the bondage of sin, John, the eighth chapter. He does this as we follow the truth also in John, the eighth chapter. And we come service of the righteous, servants of the righteous, Romans, the sixth. He even raised the dead. John, the 11th chapter. Spiritually, he crucified the old man and raised the new man, and this happens through baptism. Romans, the 6th chapter. The physical healings were symbolic of what he came to do for us spiritually. Jesus is the great physician, but he'll only heal you if you want to be healed and if you do the things necessary to get this done. He will forgive you of your sins today, but you must come to him in faith and you must take the medicine that he prescribes. I'm happy that we have hospitals and I'm happy that the doctors and the staff have the compassion to do all that it takes to keep them going. But the question that keeps running through my mind is that if Adam had done what he was told to do, 
would we have need of a hospital? If I read correctly, <clears throat> the answer would be no. The Bible tells us that sin is the cause of sickness in the world today. And I'm speaking about the physical sickness. It originated in the Garden of Eden where the first sin was committed. Everything was perfect and no sickness or death existed until after the fall. But as I saw all of these people, I thought to myself that every sick person in the hospital couldn't have sinned to the degree of sickness, illness, or the need that I saw. Now, I don't know that to be a fact, but I do know that sin has no degree. There are no levels of sin. Either something is a sin or is not. And the easiest way to make that determination is if what you are doing or thinking about doing doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's a sin. The Bible also lets us know that sins can be generational. If you would turn to Numbers, the 14, 14th chapter, verse 18. Numbers 14 and 18. And it reads, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. God, in his grace and mercy, forgives sin. But in his divine governing, he allows the sin to have a sad effect in the lives of the sinner. He doesn't hold the children responsible for the sins of the parents, but the children can suffer because of the parents' sins. Somebody in their bloodline many years ago could have sinned, and the consequences could now just be showing up. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, read the story of David and Bathsheba. Now, I'm not saying that every sickness in the world is the result of a committed sin. But a committed sin is the cause of sickness in the world, period. You see, some sicknesses are the result of personal irresponsibility. Man is foolish and irresponsible. God has called us to be good stewards of our energy, resources, and bodies. Most of the sickness that we see today comes from poor decisions, such as smoking, drinking, drugs, a bad diet, lots of things that we bring upon ourselves. And when we are prescribed medication by the physicians that we go to the hospital to see, we don't take them. We stack them up in our cabinets until we need them the next time. Why are we saving them until the next time when we didn't use them the first time? But it didn't used to be that way. You see, we're smart and educated now. <clears throat> 
Once upon a time when the doctor told us to take something, we did it without asking. But now with technology within our hands, we're able to read about the medications that are prescribed. And then we decide that we're going to doctor on ourselves. We decide that we aren't going to take the med medicine based on what we read as the side effects. Not to mention the advertisements that we see on the TV or what we hear on the radio. On the television, you see the people talking about the medication that they're advertising for. And at the bottom, real small, they got fine print of the side effects. When you listen to them on the radio, loud and clear, they telling you about this medication that you need to take. Then at the end of the commercial, somebody fast talking. The medication that you're taking for your throat may cause you to lose one eye, drop, blah, blah, and you'll have diarrhea for the rest of your life. If you go into the doctor, and if he or she prescribes you some medicine, take your medicine. Continue to trust in the Lord and know that God is still doing the healing. He's just doing it behind the scenes. <clears throat> That's the same way we act when the great physician gives us spiritual medicine to take. We sit back and we think about how it's going to affect our lives and our lifestyle. Then we decide whether or not we're going to take the medicine. Take your medicine. Some sicknesses can be the result of the enemy. Satan has tremendous power, and we only have a limited understanding as to the extent of it. Clearly, he has the ability to bring about sickness and affliction because of what we saw in the life of Job. Now, God permitted that, but he still had the power to do it. And if he did it then, he still has the power to do it now. But believers, don't worry. God still has the power to override any sickness that the enemy may bring upon you. The doctor is in. We live in a sin-sick world, and now I'm talking about spiritual sickness. And the world is in need of the doctor. He is here, available, and he's been here all of the while, prescribing what it is that each and every one of us need for whatever it is that ails us. The problem is we don't want to take our medicine. We don't want to do the things that he has prescribed for us to do. In one of the previous messages, I heard the word humble. It was said that if you want to be a good steward of anything, you have to be humble. And we as a people are not humble and therefore, we're going to continue to be sick. And continuing to be sick is our own fault. The doctor has given us the prescription from the medicine book. This is the medicine book. Everything that you need for life, everything that you need to heal you, you can get it out of this book. 
Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Our problem is that we don't want to stop doing the wicked things or the sinful things that make us feel good. Sometimes the medicine that we need to take may taste nasty. But we must remember that everything that feels good to you ain't good for you. And everything that's good for you may not feel good to you. Just look around. Look at all of the natural disasters that are taking place. Our land needs to be healed. The doctor is in. There are some sicknesses that are the result of providential activity, meaning that it had the help or intervention from a higher power. Sometimes God allows sickness of some forms to come for his own purposes. The man who was born blind is a good example. Jesus specifically denies that the affliction came because of anyone's sin. John, the ninth chapter, starting at verse 1, reading 1 through 7, it says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seen. He did what the doctor told him to do. He took his medicine. God allowed this man to have an affliction for no other reason than to show the might of his healing power so that they might believe. If you read two chapters down, we see Lazarus dying from a sickness. Now, I'm not going to read the whole John chapter 11, but I'm going to paraphrase it. Lazarus was gravely sick. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. They were friends of Jesus. The Bible even tells us that he loved them. But in spite of his love for them, when Jesus was told of the sickness of Lazarus, he didn't immediately rush to heal him. He took his time. He stayed where he was for two more days, 
See, there was a purpose for what Jesus was doing. Upon receiving the word that Lazarus was sick, the disciples didn't want Jesus to go back to Judea for fear that he would be killed. But Jesus said that he was going back anyway because he had to wake Lazarus up. The disciples thought that Jesus was going back to wake him up from a regular rest. But Jesus explained to him that Lazarus was dead. He told him that he was glad that he was not there with Lazarus during the time of his sickness because he wanted them to see so that they would believe. Had Jesus been there and saw his friend, one of his friends that he loved, he might have felt compassion at that time and he just might have not waited. He might have just went ahead and healed Lazarus right then. Thus not doing what God had intended for him to do. So they started back. When he got closer to his destination, one of the sisters, Martha, met him and told him that she knew that if he had been there, her brother would not have died. And she also told him that, I know that anything that you ask of God, he will do for you. Jesus told her that her brother would live again. As he got closer, the other sister, Mary, came out to meet him, and she fell at his feet weeping, saying the same thing. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, take me to where you laid him, and they did. And when he got there, he wept. He told them to remove the stone that sealed the tomb where the body had been laying for four days. They did. And when they did, Jesus prayed to God, thanking him for hearing this particular request. He was saying, thank you, Lord, for hearing this request. But I know that you always do and answer everything that I ask you for. But I'm doing this right now, not because I'm doubting you, but I'm asking you so that these who are here will know that it was you who sent me. And he called out to Lazarus, and Lazarus came out of the tomb. He was raised from the dead. The doctor is in, y'all. He did it this way so that the people would see and believe. Do we still have that issue? Do we still have to see something in order to believe it? Don't we make the claim that we walk by faith and not by sight? I want to go back to the 35th verse. The 35th verse says Jesus wept. That shows that the Lord had compassion back then, and he still has compassion now. Compassion is the sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with the desire to alleviate it. Simply put, compassion is caring about something that somebody is going through and you wanting to do something about it. Compassion is of the heart. God wants us to have compassion also. You see, when God created us, he gave us a heart, and the intent is for our heart to be like his. We, who are made in his image, are to love and care for one another like he does. And the only way to do that is to have a heart like him. God wants us to be good stewards of our hearts. My stewardship heart, Pastor. And the first thing that we have to do 
is love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our might so that his peace which surpasses all understanding can guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When the Bible speaks about the heart, it's really referring to our mind, our will, and our emotions. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Every choice you make, every decision you make, everything you do flows out of what is in your heart. Now I understand what the songwriter meant when he said, give me a clean heart so that I may serve thee. You see, he wanted to serve God with a pure heart. For Matthew 5 and 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. To see God is the desire of every believer. But it can't happen if you're not a good steward of your heart. If you're not doing the things that he tells you to do. If you're not following the path that he has set before you. A good steward follows the prescription that is given in Proverbs number three, verse, chapter three, verse five and six that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Our problem has always been our own will. There are times when we just go out on our own, doing what we understand to be right, and we are far, far from where God wants us to be. As a good steward, you can't go around giving your heart to anybody. Your heart has been entrusted to you, and you are responsible for it. You have to know who to trust with the secrets of your heart. You have to entrust, if you entrust the wrong people or person with your heart, you could end up broken hearted. But don't worry about that. That happens because Psalms 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There are going to be situations in life that will tug at your heart. You'll find yourself at the fork in the road, meaning that you know what the proper thing to do is, but in your heart, you want to go the other way. The circumstances will push you to the limits, and you will find yourself asking the question, what would Jesus do? And you already know what the answer is. But in your heart, you don't want to do what Jesus would do. You want to get some get back. For whatever the reason is, you don't want to follow the Lord. When you get caught up in the world, when you see things that are done worldly, sometimes you feel like the only way people will understand is I got to get worldly with you. You ain't understanding the peace that I'm trying to bring to you. So I need to speak to you with a language that you understand. 
I'm trying to tell you I know what I'm talking about. If you think about it long enough, the doctor will prescribe you your medication. Sometimes we got to take our medicine. It might not be the medicine that we want. Sometimes when we're dealing with situations, when you feel like you need to handle something, these are the times when we sit in the congregation when somebody is standing up before you and they say, Give it to God. Let God handle it. You don't be wanting to, but you got to. If you're going to follow what Jesus says, you got to do it, whether you want to or not. Sometimes you can get wise counsel, and you can hear what's coming to you, and you can hear God speaking through that person. You can hear him talking to you, but you still want to put this barrier up. Because the human side, the flesh, wants to act up. Give it to the doctor. He can make you well. If you don't stew it over your heart in the proper way, in the proper way that you should, it can become hard. Having a hardened heart means to stop having affectionate, kind, or friendly, friendly feelings for someone or caring about something. And nothing good can come from a hardened heart. The doctor is in. We take our hearts for granted. Our heart is the most important part of our body, for it is our life source. It pumps the blood. Our blood carries the oxygen and nutrients throughout our body. If it stops working, we stop living. Now, about a month or so ago, there was a football game on TV. If you didn't see it, if you didn't watch it, I'm pretty sure that you heard about it. There was a hit on one of the players. And at first, it just looked like the normal hit. Then the player got up and stood up, but then he fell again. When he fell this time, they rushed out to him. People gathered around him, and no doubt, I wasn't there, but, you know, they probably did like they normally would do and want to run out with the smelling salts. Whatever it is, they put up under your nose to try to wake you back up, but that didn't work. Now, this was a little bit different. I've seen some licks before, and I've seen people get knocked out on the football field, but this was different. If you remember, if you would look at the people who were standing around, the players, if you had, can remember the looks on their faces, there was a look of concern, but then there was another look. Even the sports commentators, sounded a little different. Everything about this particular incident was different. Now, credit was given to one of the trainers or the staff who came out and did the CPR and who used 
defibrillator or whatever it's called, credit was given to him. It is said that he stopped breathing for a moment. When you stop breathing, you're dead, right? Yet and still, this man got credit for CPR and using an instrument. When in fact, all of the credit should have been given to God. Think about it. So that they would believe. Believers, I don't know about y'all, but I believe that it was a miracle. Mm-hmm. His heart stopped bleeding. It was a miracle that this person was dead, that this instrument that he used happened to be there. We need to start giving God credit for the things that he did. The doctor was in. And see, it may not mean much to y'all, but I've been there. I've been there when they rubbing the things together and they put it on the body and they say clear and they shoot a jolt of electricity to whatever it is in order to try to get the heart to start beating again. I was there when they was beating on his chest, trying to get his heart to start pumping again. I was there when they took a needle and stuck it in his heart, doing everything that they could in order to get his heart beating again. It didn't work. It didn't work for my son, but it worked for this young man, the football player. And we giving man the credit. Mm. God had to shoot that electricity through that machine. God had to put that man where he was at that time in order to do this. Let us not take lightly the works of God. Our scripture text. In the scripture text, Jesus called Matthew to follow him, and he did. He left his position as a tax collector and became one of his disciples. After a few days, there was a dinner at Matthew's house, and the guest list consisted of tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors wasn't looked upon very highly back then because they were doing the work of Rome and it was said that they would overtax people and keep it on the side. And they were very profitable. You know, when you sit down and you break bread with somebody, that's when you get to know them. They had an opportunity, the tax collectors and the sinners, they had an opportunity to break bread with Jesus. He got to talk to them, and, and, and they got to talk to him.
when Matthew was called, the reason that he invited the other tax collectors because it changed him. And it was in hopes that possibly it may change some of his other friends or the people that he was affiliated. When the Pharisees heard about it, they asked the disciples, why was Jesus eating with the tax collectors and sinners? The disciples didn't know why. They had just started on their walk. Jesus could have heard them. I don't know if the, tax, if the disciples went to ask Jesus that question or if Jesus heard them. Jesus had good hearing. Jesus can hear a lot of things. Jesus can hear the things that's going on in your mind right now. Jesus told them when the question was asked, he answered them. It's not the healthy that need the doctor. It's the sick. The Pharisees considered themselves to be the healthy. Now, I wasn't there, so if Jesus answered them, I don't know if it was in sarcasm, but if you think that you healed, he's telling you, I ain't come to heal you. I came to heal the sick. You healthy. It's the sick who need the help. If you don't need my help, I came to help the sick. We all sick. We all deal with something. God has been working with me. God has been working on me. The doctor's in the house. Go to him if you have a need. Whatever your need is, don't harden your heart. When you harden your heart, you get out of your own personality. When you harden your heart, you're not the person that God intended for you to be. Nothing good comes from a hardened heart. Be a good steward of your heart. That's where the spirit of the Lord resides. In your heart. Revelations 3 and 20. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's knocking on the door of your heart. I remember as a little boy when we would go to church, we didn't have air conditioning. We had to let the windows up. Flies would come in and you beating yourself and it's hot outside, so you fanning yourself. And with them fans, there was a fan that had a picture or an illustration of Jesus and a door. And it looked as if Jesus was knocking on that door. And the thing about that illustration was, if you remember, if you look at the door, the door did not have a doorknob. It didn't have a doorknob. He's standing at the door to knock. He wants you to let him in. 
If a doorknob is there, he can just open up and come on in himself. But he wants you to let him into your heart. Amen? Be a good steward of your heart. If there's any illness in your heart, lift it up to Jesus because the doctor is in. All heads bow, all eyes closed.